On this week's Rain on Your Parade, we talk New Year's resolutions, and I discuss Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle's new comedy specials. Ooh. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rain on Your Parade with J.L. Covan. I'm J.L. Covan here in the new year with Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Hi, J.L. How are you? I'm, you know how I am. Horrible. <laughs> how are you? I'm hanging in there, man. It's been, I'll tell you something, J.L., quickly before you get to what you want to get to. Mm. That last week of the year, the void week, yeah. when you are in your mid-30s and you're single, there is nothing worse. It, I mean, you want to talk about falling into a pit of despair. I mean, my God, man. Brutal. Well, I texted you and you didn't reply, so I think that's on you. Anyway, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you texted me to tell me to watch one of your videos. Well, I thought it would make you, because it was like <laughs> podcast specific. It was Vinny yeah, yeah, the yeah, Guinea. Yeah. So, yeah. no, it's okay. Um <laughs> New year, new me, guys. Uh, I have a resolution. I'm not going to bore you with my resolutions in real life. Yeah. Um, but you can check them out at JL Comedy on Twitter, my alternate Twitter account that's not shadow banned. But as far as this show is concerned, I have a resolution that I think Mike will really, really appreciate. And that is I will wear a different shirt every episode for the entire year. No way. Yes. That's the plan? That's the plan. Oh, man. You have no idea how excited I am about that. First off, because you know I like style. Second off. I'm not promising any stylish shirts. I'm simply <laughs> promising a different shirt each week. Like 52 different or 51, 50, whatever. How many, however many episodes we do, there will be a different shirt. Hey, and isn't this going to encourage people? Hey, what's JL's shirt this week? I guess I better go to YouTube as well. That's the hope. The hope. Not only. Yeah. We wanted we want to do both. We want to get on YouTube and well get the podcast numbers up as well because our brothers in Israel and Palestine need us to do that. Yeah. Uh but uh and the thing about that is I need to lose by the end of the year 70 pounds. Mm. Now, in 2021 I lost 60 pounds in 6 months. And and off mic we were talking, we didn't know we were off mic, but off mic we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, Whoops. <laughs> we were talking. Oh, 2020 2020 nog. Uh <laughs> we were uh we were talking about <laughs> We were talking about how you thought that was a lot of weight to lose in six months. But the yeah. thing about me is I eat horribly. When I get in a bad space, I'm eating horribly. I'm not exercising. So I like my body, I think since I did it at 42, I can do it at 44. Yeah. I'm not yet distanced enough where it's going to be a real chore. But um, once I eat right and exercise five times a week and I really stay disciplined on my eating, not starving myself, but just eating right. Um, it, you know, just, it, it, it falls off because I'm usually coming from a place of such bad discipline. I'm really wondering how bad the diet is, JL. I know that we're, you and I are both sort of stress eaters. And also we have that thing with food where it's like, it's a celebration and it's also medicine. It's like yes. when things are bad, you eat. When things yeah. are good, you celebrate by eating. If if sugar were alcohol, I'd be dead. And if sugar <laughs> if sugar were heroin, I'd be dead. Yeah, got it. Okay. okay. So, um, <laughs> and and the thing is, I remember looking at myself during the first taping of my special, which by the way is out. 
half blackface. Uh, go to my website, go to social media. The links are all there, Linktree, et cetera. It's available for purchase or rental on many, many sites, Amazon, uh, Apple TV, et cetera. Um, very proud of it. And you should all check it out. But I remember seeing my jaw looking sharp for the first time in like over a decade. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, there it is. Yeah, right. And, but it, it, you know, this year has been a very rough year between the shoulder taking me out for like six months and then just comedy related depression and just other things where I'm losing my job. Not that that was like a directly like, woe is me. But you just sort of go, hey. It's a bummer, man. What are you talking about? You could be woe is me about losing your job. No, of course. But it, it it's more like it doesn't hit me like, oh, I lost my job. I guess I'll sit on the couch. I'm more like, well, I'm gonna, I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to take this extra time to write and get to the gym. Right. And then I don't. They don't. I'm just yeah. like, well, I'm making a lot of progress on PlayStation games. Yes. That's, yes. that's productivity as well. Who's yeah. done? Who's telling me I'm depressed? Right. I just beat Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm not one of these like sad losers yeah. who, who doesn't get out of bed. I get out of bed in sweatpants, yep. not pajamas, get right on that couch Ugh. and play games. I have been there so many times and I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> it's brutal. So, but it's, it's more deceptive. The yes. only advantage to gaming versus watching shows and movies is I don't eat as much while gaming. Right. I joked with Laura. I was like, you know, it's I, almost uh, like exercise. It's it's <laughs> in a way. It's it's well, it's the way I eat. It's like it is a plus. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'd just be watching shows and eating chips and like a milkshake. Yeah. It's horrible. So I can do sixty pounds in six months. So I figure the whole point of this was, I have like three months worth of clothes, non-repeatable shirts that fit nicely or fit well, at this current size. So that motivates me within three months to drop at least 25 pounds, mm-hmm. which is the easiest to- the easiest weight to lose will be that first three months. It's like the amount of weight I lose in the first three months will probably be the same amount of weight I lose in the next six months after that. Um, because if I don't, there's going to be a lot of like gut and, and, and soft nipple shots for the YouTube people, which also <laughs> may encourage YouTube viewership to skyrocket. Yes, it could. So, but for my own ego, I want to look better and better in shirts and yes. not get to the, well, they said double XL, but I think this is a girl's tie double XL. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm lactating apparently. Uh, so that's the resolution for the show. New shirt every week. Are they? Here's the question. New shirt, but will they all be blue? <laughs> um, one of them will be a Blake Shelton shirt from, um, from Land's End. Oh, that yeah. I can assure you. Land's End Blake Shelton shirt. Love yeah. it. Um, I will come in voting for, 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 for Trump that week. Nice. <laughs> um, but in a nice way, yeah. not in a shitty way, right. but in a, you know, Hey, he's just from a different part in of the In a middle country. class way. Yeah. 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 Um, Gwen Stefani, Hey, we don't talk about politics. We just, <laughs> we fuck and then don't speak. That's the key to our relationship. <laughs> Love you, honey. Are you shooting Bud Light cans again? Oh, Blake. <laughs> How do you spell banana again, honey? <laughs> See how they have so much in common is my point. That is great. Oh my god. <sighs> okay, so it's a new year. The special came out yesterday as we're taping this and yeah. Laura had sort of was thinking of how we could celebrate 
and she decided on a Ranger game. We haven't been to a Ranger game this year. Very fun to go to a Ranger game. I have to say, for any hockey fans out there, may have covered this in the hockey episode, but Madison Square Garden looks great yes. for hockey games. It really looks great. The color scheme, the even when there's like lots going on, it's co- it's like coordinated versus just feeling like chaos. Like, you know, light shows. It's just very, hockey games are so exquisitely well done there. Whereas like the Prudential Center, not that they're light show or that their team oh, are we not both, good. Yeah, we both hate the But the Prudential Center. Center is a garbage arena. Yeah. It, it still doesn't even look finished. And it's like, you're a major, you're basically the same as the Garden yeah. in terms of you get all the major musical acts. You have the Devils who are like three-time Stanley Cup champions in the last two decades. So it's like, they're as big as it gets for hockey. You get all the big musical acts and yet your arena looks unfinished and it's a nightmare to get out of. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer public transportation from there because when we were there to see Bill Burr, my friend Chris uh, Lamberth was also at the show and he drove us home. Very nice. But the amount of time it took us to get out of the like tiny fucked up parking Brutal. lots that they have. No shade, no shade to Chris. It was very nice of him to take us. No, no, I we know. We could yeah. have been, we could have walked to Newark Broad and gotten a train and been home in that time because it's such a logistical nightmare, that entire Dude, area. Jersey is a fucking shit show. Then this, it's one of the things that I hate about it. it the, the places that they have where they can host events are placed so unstrategically. Right. That it is just, MetLife is the same thing. And MetLife is the same shit where it doesn't feel finished. Right. It has those ugly Venetian blinds out <laughs> in the, in like the, the, the outer end of the, uh, right. the arena. Like there's just something that's so sterile about these New Jersey venues and they are a pain in the ass to get in and out of. It's a, it's brutal, man. MetLife's the same thing. I missed like a third of an Elton John concert last summer trying to get into MetLife because it took hours to wow. get in. It's just traffic on Route 3. Well, I can Forever. recreate it for you. <laughs> I can't hit the high notes. I'm chubby but still have energy. I'm fucking Elton John. Do a leap, everybody. Do a leap. <laughs> uh, I saw him at, uh, where did we see him? Christ. Oh, no, we saw him at Prudential. Oh, did you? We had floor seats. And did you ever do oh, this? Nice. Uh, because we, I had canceled so many concerts in 2020. Like Laura and I were going to go to like seven different things and they all obviously got canceled. And already that was like a lot of money refunded. But then I had like a very good 2020, 2021. So I was like, oh, I, I, I haven't taken her to anything in like a year. Yeah. So I said, let's do floor seats. But then I looked around. I don't know if you've ever done this. I just look around and go, well, what the fuck do you do? You look like a loser. How are you? Ha- Why do you have floor seats? Yeah. I'm somebody. You're a piece of shit. I think there's a lot of people that will spend so much money on right. specific things that they just kind of don't have. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift tickets for for the the bleacher seats that ended up being like smart not to say Beyonce tickets cuz that could be interpreted as uh, <laughs> racist. Well, you know me, always thinking. <laughs> but anyway. Um well no, and that's what that brings us to the Ranger game we went to. She got me tickets to the Ranger game uh to celebrate the release of Half Blackface and Part of it was a celebration and part of it, I think, was to not have me thinking or talking about comedy for the pivotal five hours Mm -hmm. of the opening day. And uh, so we went and uh, I think about that when I look at some Ranger fans. Ranger tickets are so expensive. Yeah. And I look around sometimes and I go, what do you do for a living? Sometimes you just see somebody and you're like, 
you, I think to myself, either these people have money or they're irresponsible. Yes. And plenty. And I, 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 I looked at the people sitting in the got the bros sitting in front of us last night. And I was like, these are irresponsible people. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that my Vinny character, it still feels so out of reality for me yet based in reality until I sat with like nine dudes from Westchester last night. I was like, Oh, it turns out I'm a little too refined still with the Vinny character. I think I needed to rough it up a little more. Almost like, like method acting. <laughs> hey guys, can I hang out with you and commit some hate crimes and like finger a girl against her will just to get really into your guy's world. Um, but we went to the game and I just, I leaned over to Laura and of course they lost six one. It was the, single worst game by the Rangers all season. And yeah. I was like, JL jinx, not taking 2024 <laughs> off apparently. <laughs> um, but these got like, I, we sat around and I just leaned over cause we usually sit in the one hundreds cause we go to like one or two games. So we spent, you know, we, and by, I, I spend the money on the tickets, but she, these were like only $20 cheaper per ticket. Um, so it's not like she was getting me cheap seats, but it was just that one level. And I said, I, I leaned over to her like in the second period. I said, I want to sit with the rich people next time again. Uh, it's not that you don't guarantee that there won't be irresponsible, uh, irresponsible spenders down there. Also. Yeah. I saw some rotund young man screaming at a woman that she was a effing C <laughs> just right in the concession stand. They didn't know each other. I guess she had bumped him and was either not hot enough or deferential enough to this him. This is just a passing. Yeah. And he was like, you fucking mother, you fucking cunt. Yikes. And I was Hockey like, fans, man, <laughs> I got to tell you, even even the creme de la creme mm-hmm. seem like they could commit a hate crime at any moment. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's like it's like hockey fans when they tell you that you might be uh, the wrong element on January 6th <laughs> and should stay home. Hockey fans. Uh, but hockey is so amazing. Yeah, I know. It's such an odd like. Yeah. It's such an odd juxtaposition because even in loss, I was like, but this is such a, such a nice experience sitting here and watching this game. But they're, I mean, the Rangers, they literally played their worst game of the year. Yeah. So that was disappointing, but that was a nice way to, and I referred to our section. I said, we're sitting in the M as in Michael, the M word section. And uh, a hypothetical person asked me, what do you mean M word? And I said, well, it just feels like we're real close to people saying the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> you got the setup you wanted, Jail. Well, I said that to Laura <laughs> and she was, and she didn't she didn't give me I wanted to create an authentic setup that I could recall. Mm-hmm. But then she was just like, she just kind of does what what I what I do, what she does when I tell jokes, which is like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura Laura knows the game at this point. Laura hates the game at this point. She hates both the player and the game, I believe, when it comes to stand-up comedy. Um, but I think this is, I was going to talk about something else this week, but I re- realized, uh, especially if this is coming out like next week, yep. so it's like the, the, the it'll really be stale till then. But I feel like my willingness to step on toes in comedy, but also offer actual reasoned analysis about it with no fear of what it might do to my Terry Shivo-esque career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about Ricky Gervais and we got to talk about Dave Chappelle. Mm. Um, and, uh, oh, wow. And I guess, can I just review my own special this week? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but why don't we take a quick break? Yeah. Okay. We've int- reintroduced ourselves like Jay-Z. Uh, take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the big comedy specials to kick off the year. So, 
We'll be back in a minute. And we're back, everybody. Uh, Mike, how was your break? Fabulous, as it always is. Oh, good. Yeah, Restful. You, you do like taking breaks from this show. I know that. I do. It's my, so it's, it's my favorite part of the week. Well, I, I think I take, I take some bizarre pride in that. I feel like it's, a, it's an exhaustive, rigorous show. It pushes people to their limits. Um, yeah. Like any good bro podcast. Have you lined up the porn stars yet? I think that was supposed to be one of your 2024 I'm always, you know, I'm always working on that. Okay. Angela White. I mean, she seems to be on everybody else's podcast. Is it, is it me? Do we, is it our history that has her like not wanting to come onto the show? Do you have a history with her? I do, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. We'll just leave that up to speculation. <laughs> okay. Um, it was the accent. I just, I just couldn't get past the accent. Mm-hmm. You know, she was ready to give up the business for me. And I, and I was just like, but that kangaroo accent, it's just, <laughs> it's too provincial. Sorry. I need a, I need a classier lady. Uh, you got something in your eye and on your face as well, Angela. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just doing the inner monologue. Uh, hey, guys, we're back. And uh, we're talking to big specials. Um, Ricky Gervais. Uh, Armageddon, I believe, was the title of his, if you could verify that. I think it I'll is. Um, and Dave Chappelle, The Dreamer. These are the two big specials to come out the weeks of Christmas and New Year's. And Armageddon, correct. Yeah, they've both garnered a lot. I want to focus on, it'll be easier to dispatch with Gervais's first. Not, not very well reviewed. No. <laughs> I'm taking a quick quick glance here. Sorry to step on no, you. No, no, it's okay. A lot of one-star reviews on this, uh, and, out of 357 ratings. Right. And it's not that they're unjustified, but there is, I, I do have to upfront say, I get it, and we've discussed this on other episodes. When the nerd, the racist nerd bros go to like ghost, but lady Ghostbusters like two weeks in advance and are like giving it horrible reviews, like, but you clearly haven't even seen it. Right. This is a little bit of that. Like, I feel like there's now almost a I have to go criticize Gervais. This is part of the, the resistance. The resistance started as like against Trump. And now it's like, if I don't like a comedian, that is also activism. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think some of that, Not, but I would say the special was, I haven't really consumed a lot of Ricky Gervais's comedy. I always thought people gave him a pass as a great comedian when he was roasting people on the Golden Globes. Which was good. It was good. But roasting celebrities, if you're, if you're just cool with it, if you're not afraid to do it is easy. Like if you, as long as you're not timid, it's fucking open season. It's, it's the easiest thing. Not that, and clever jokes are still clever jokes, but it is easy as far as comedy goes. You know, Stephen Colbert doing it to George W. Bush's face. Right. That was like both craftsmanship. Yeah. Because he wasn't going for like the low hanging fruit and being like, whoa, he went there. It was like he went there and it was like, yeah, high level shit. But remember when he was good? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just don't watch late night that much. I've always thought that Kimmel was is the best monologue guy in late night because, and I think it's just because his a lot of his jokes most align with my sensibilities. Mm. Um, but Col- I mean, Colbert, I'm fine with him. On I always like him no matter what. But I understand what you're saying. Colbert rapport well, is an all time legendary yes. comedy show. He went from being a genius to me and the do the Colbert report was so funny. 
And then he does this like sort of toothless CBS late night show now that's just like he's I know. think I still like him though which is why I like yeah. could watch him interview somebody and it's like but he's made the decision that lots of artists make at some point in their career he got lucky because he got to be famous and rich off of a deeply unique artistic yeah. vision but he's gotten mega rich right doing sort of like this is for more people this right. is this and he wasn't successful um until Trump kind of Became a thing. Right. Um, and then Fallon like was like, hey, 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 well, uh, uh, you don't like like uh, harmful, like fun, fun guy, harmful, fun, <laughs> no thought involved, whatever. That's Someone get cool. me a karaoke machine. That's not come cool. on. Oh, man. Come on. I, I'm going to sing karaoke with Miss Piggy. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so awesome, Miss Piggy. <laughs> You're so cool. Um, so I think. I just get that out of the way to say it feels like some of this is like, uh, 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 like I saw a guy on threads today. I don't follow him, but he kept popping up. Yeah. He's got 800 followers, not a robust following on threads. It's not nothing, but it's not very strong, but he's getting tons of likes because every post that pops up is just some critique of Chappelle. And they're like repetitive. He's not developing new critiques. It's just like, he is doing the thing that so many people do, which is like, Oh, the algorithm likes it. If I keep talking about Chappelle and Gervais. Um, So there is already, you know, these, these systems are like rapidly there. It's, it's almost like exponential growth uh, up, up now a topic becomes trending. Uh, everybody's like swarming to it within three minutes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even develop organically anymore. It's like, wait, Chappelle, 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 Chappelle. and that's, and then you get that. So Gervais, yeah. um, uh, I really haven't consumed a lot of what he's done. Um, I do understand that my favorite thing, uh, that Steven Merchant's ever done is Hello Ladies. I think that show was phenomenal on HBO, but I know that he was his collaborator for a long time. And I think I'm not the only one to say this, but suggestions from people that maybe Steven Merchant is like the Larry David to his Seinfeld, both talented, but I think history will remember Larry David as the more significant comedy contributor because he has another gold medal in his arsenal. Mm-hmm. Now you could say Seinfeld has elite stand-up credentials and Seinfeld, but Larry David, there's more of Larry David in Seinfeld. You, once you see Curb Your Enthusiasm, you see that Seinfeld has more Larry David than it has Jerry Seinfeld. And in Seinfeld, arguably the best character, funniest character is based off of Larry David. Right. I mean, George Costanza, they're all great, but I mean, yeah. my favorite in the show is George for sure. I prefer Kramer's post Seinfeld work, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he was ahead of the time. You, you, nobody's going to call his performance woke. It's true. That's true. It was pretty much the antithesis of woke. <laughs> Kramer, comedy point. legend. Yeah. Um, Michael Richards, excuse me. Kramer. <laughs> uh, but I watched the Ricky Gervais thing because I was like, well, I heard people talk about his previous specials as pretty good. So I watched this one. And it gave me Bill Maher vibes. Mm. Um, and I'm current somebody, Bill Maher. Current Bill Maher right. vibes. I'm somebody who has said that I thought Bill Maher, uh, uh, you know, in, during the Obama presidency, was particularly strong. Yeah. I thought he was very fast to call out the racism, like early, like '09. I think '09 or or '10 was like Bill Maher's finest year ever, in my opinion. But post Trump. I think Bill Maher is in some sort of I'm bitter about vaccines slash I don't want people to think I'm just some liberal hack slash uh, I also um, know how the game is played. 
and I trend every Saturday because people will share a clip of me that they didn't like, and I go, I, I trend. And then Fox hails me as liberal comedian actually right. said this. So he's, whether it is part strategy, mostly strategy, a little bit of strategy, he, he is playing that game, but he's very obsessed with woke and it, it already feels stale. Like the thing some of these comedians like Gervais and Bill Maher don't understand, I think, is when it comes to stand up, you have to be keeping up. Yeah. The ecosystem is like moving at a very rapid, almost computer like computer industry pace. So you either have to be doing something that nobody's doing or you have to be pumping it out quicker. And Gervais, Bill Maher, I saw Bill Maher. Uh, I took my mom to see Bill Maher because my mom is in the right demo. Like she'll watch his show. She watches MSNBC, but she's not really on social. She's not on social media and she's not watching uh, tons of comedy. Right. So like I go to Bill Maher at NJ Pack in like 2018 with her. I basically know just about everything he's going to say. Right. And leave fairly unsatisfied. But it was a gift for her and she liked it well enough. Gervais. As I said, it was like, do you like 2017 Bill Maher, but you'd prefer it with a British accent? Well, watch his 2023 special. <laughs> it's this obsession with like, there's this, and I talked about this with my friend Rod of the Black Eye Tips. There is this now kind of obsession with if you're offending people, that's just as good as humor. And it's like, it's not. And sometimes like, the offense is so transparent. It's so obvious what you're doing. You're telegraphing your move. You're, you're looking the offensive receiver all the way across the field and then throwing it. And I'm just fucking pick sixing it. Well, listen, how, so in my opinion, I think at this point, the be like the anti woke comic is now an archetype. Yeah. The anti woke anything is now an archetype. How different at this point is. Gervais or Bill Maher or any of those types of guys, really, how different are they than your fictional character, Vinny the Guinea? Yeah. They're really not that far away from a character that you created right. out of seeing these guys on the... I mean, that is that is just like a staple in the quiver of a lot of dudes that work the road that are like a little older than me and probably closer to your age, maybe a little older. <sighs> That's what they do. It, ah, you can't say that anymore. And that's like kind of part of their act. Right. And I don't really understand. Part, if you throw in a participation trophy joke, yes. it still gets a laugh. Right. It'll still get a laugh. Like, and it's, it's sort of embarrassing all around. It's embarrassing that there are people who are so unsophisticated with their comedy, but it's also embarrassing that there are comedians willing to shovel that shit into their mouths and, yeah. and like be praised for it. And I really get annoyed when I see like somebody like Sebastian Mascalco, who I'm a fan of. I don't think he's perfect. I think some of his sensibilities are starting to really lean in that like anti-woke kind of thing where it's like, what the fuck do you even care? Right. You're worth <laughs> right. like 50 million. <laughs> woke, not woke. You're selling out arenas wherever you go. You right. can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. With, and you're going to stay within your lane. And you're he not... keeps getting to make stuff. He's yeah. got that show on HBO Max now. Right. He, there, it's not slowing him down in any way. And if anything, he's just continuing to gain momentum. Right. And he's not... He's not like complaining a lot. No, 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 no. But the sensibility, like in his last special, he does a whole thing about a guy in my cl my kid's class, a kid identifies as a cat. Well, no, he doesn't. Right. No, he doesn't. And it was so layered on thick that it was like, you're making fun of a trans kid. Yeah. I get it. 
like, and you're not wanting to, like you're sensitive enough to your, to your bank account to not want all the liberal progressive industry smoke. Yeah. But you're catering to like, you don't have to do that. Like, it's weird that you're, you know, or are you picking up what everybody's putting down, which is like, yeah, but there's, there's, there's gold in them. What is it? There's oil in them fields or there's, there's gold, gold in them hills. In them hills. hills right. <laughs> there's gold in them hills. I think all these guys are like anti-woke prospectors. Like, oh boy, yeah, yeah. there's a whole mine of participation trophy jokes and trans jokes yeah, that we yeah. can, that we can become millionaires with. Yes. And it's working. It is working. Like, I am not here to say that that doesn't work. It's horrible comedy. They think they're the only ones who are hack proof. Yeah. Like, there's no limit to how many anti-woke, anti-trans, anti-whatever jokes you can do. And it's never hack. Yeah. It's like, that's that's the absurdity of it. Like, you think you've cracked the matrix and, like, your field... Is like, oh, no, no. But if you make fun of trans kids, that's a never ending supply of originality. <laughs> well, stand up is, is an interesting art form because I think that it is it is difficult to be subversive. Is that fair to say that it's a little difficult to be in a movie? You can use a little more, you know, a, a film or a TV show. Things can be a little more allegorical. You have a lot more room to breathe and kind of make a statement. And still be funny without kind of saying exactly what you mean. Right. Which I think is a difficult thing for, for stand-ups specifically. But my question to you, JL, is, uh, we've, Ricky Gervais has been in our lives for a long yeah. enough period of time now. He didn't ascend as a stand-up comedian. Right. He basically kind of piggybacked the, uh, the success of his radio show, which I think was like one of the first big successful podcasts too. And it's okay. And, I, the word piggyback sort of sounds nefarious. It's like, you're allowed to piggyback your own creations. Yes. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, I, yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. I just want to make it clear. Like sometimes that term can sound like, I mean, after he made his 10 million working right. his ass off, he piggybacked off of that. But it would truthfully, it would yes. be like, it would be like if, uh, you know, uh, Kelsey Grammer all of a sudden like got famous for doing a specific thing from Frasier and is a very talented actor had a sustained career as a stand-up comedian right it's not really what he does right. and he and this is the thing Gervais ended up being pretty good at it but I think even when he came out of the gate and he came to America to relevancy those first couple specials that were pretty funny and, and really not that bad he kind of do you remember when this happened, he kind of crowned himself as like one of the great comedians well, I of know our time. Everybody was talking about how he was in that show with Seinfeld Rock. And he Louis produced C. it. It's oh, his show. Wow. As far as I remember, <laughs> I'm going to check. I, uh, I think it's called Talking Funny. I, I'm 90% sure that he he had like a deal with HBO. Oh, he wow. was doing He was doing extras and he was doing, uh, he did specials through HBO and yeah. everything. I'm 90% sure that he, he just like put that show together. But Merchant was involved with most of his things, right? Like as his, like, Life's I think their shows. Yes. Yeah. Right. Life's too short. I think extras he was involved with. I haven't seen extras. It finally went up on Peacock recently. I, it, HBO, for whatever reason, did never has had extras in its like library that you can access. Mm. So it's finally on Peacock. Maybe he just kept the rights to that. I'm going to, I'm going to do some research real quick and see okay. if he produced talking funny, but I, and I enjoyed that to be honest, yeah. but I did always have the thought like, what is this guy doing in this room with, with these guys, with Louis CK and, and they all like each other. This is the thing. 
This is why Ricky Gervais to right, me like is Eddie Murphy was like somewhere going, huh? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. But it's weird because like if you actually look at the early stages of his career, there's a lot of good stuff here, and I oh, honestly yeah. think that he was. I don't know what happened, but for a while he was making movies and obviously the TV shows were all pretty good. And the irony is none of these shows that I can really remember were all that offensive. Right. Is the is the British office as like outrageous as it is? And obviously it was groundbreaking when it came out. Is it that offensive? He I think the character is a bit offbeat. And maybe by today's standards, he's a little more offensive, but, but like also knowingly, like the joke is on him. Right. It's not like, he, yes, look at me poking fun at everybody who's um, and I got to I got to bring up something. I'm glad I just remember this before we sort of officially bury Ricky Gervais, special because I would compare this to I'm concerned with stand up. You know what I mean? I will acknowledge uh, I have enjoyed some of the things Ricky Gervais has done. This is not me saying the same way I think Kevin Hart is. Uh, a not good stand-up comic. Like he may know what he's doing. I don't find him funny at all as a stand-up comic. That doesn't take away from the fact that I've seen like half a dozen of his movies. Yeah. And that I've enjoyed his performances and things. Do I think he's in way too many commercials? Of course. Way too many. Um, be an artist once in a while. Right. Like say no. Right. Just say no. Like just say no once. Before we just the Nancy Reagan slogan. Before we move on, Ricky Gervais was in fact the executive producer of Talking Funny. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Where he cast himself in the room with other greats of stand-up comedy to well, talk that, about the craft and, and that he had been doing for two years. That's why uh, me and Angela White are doing a documentary called World's Greatest Lovers, <laughs> produced by me. <laughs> <laughs> Men with big cocks, <laughs> produced by JL Coban. Yes. It says it right there. It says it right there in the title. Um, um, but the, like Michael Jordan getting, being the great basketball player when he went to baseball, did he get to go to the majors? No. Right. Like, in other words, he had to earn it and he kind of didn't. And I'm not saying people have told me Gervais has had other good specials, but stand up to me. And I've had this argument with people literally about Dave Chappelle specials where I go, a special has to be earned every time. That's mm -hmm. kind of what's good about comedy. You have to earn it every time. And it's hard to earn it every time. And, and, and Chris Rock, I haven't loved every special of his. Will he always be my favorite or one of my favorites because of uh, Bring the Pain and Bigger and Blacker? Yes. Oh, you're right. He, right. he also gets to own those forever. But it doesn't mean that every special he's done is great. But he has done some of the greatest work I've ever seen as a stand-up. So he gets to have that forever. And that's why he will always be at a certain level for me. So Ricky Gervais, you know, if somebody, of course, tried to snitch on me, they like added Ricky Gervais and goes, have you seen this? Like, no, he hasn't. And he was <laughs> Nor like, will he. <laughs> have you, he said, have you even heard of this guy? You're a million times better stand-up than him. And I replied and was like, uh, basically, I was just like, yeah, you're pathetic. You follow me. You're right. pathetic. And I said, enjoy your, 20, your stale 2017 material delivered with a British accent. Have some tea with it. Right. And <laughs> it's, it, to me, it's like, that's the thing. I think stand-up, you always have to earn it. And it's not me saying he's terrible, always, or everything he's done sucks. But that special was not good. And it's it just, it annoys me when people just kind of like, they they like it because now he's just one of those guys, he's going to say it. Right. And I'm like, not only is he not really saying it, but does originality, when did originality stop being a major component? Like, in other words, if he's saying the thing but he's the 50th comic to say it. 
you're still giving him credit like, oh, he went there. But he likes that. That's the thing. He's always post like Golden Globes where he was the roast guy. Right. Ricky Gervais loves being the caution tape around the mouth guy. Yeah. That's that's your head. By the way, while I was wrapping around the whole, I was doing it as if oh, like he needed extra caution. Tape. He does because oh, he's going to say it. Just gone. No, he's going because he's going to say it. He needs the extra. <laughs> but uh, you, and you're you handing out earmuffs <laughs> to people because you can't. If he manages to get through the caution tape, you don't want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I don't know, man. And uh, I think sh- I, I don't want to step on Chappelle, which is I know is coming. But I think that he has. I think the refreshing thing about Chappelle. When I was a kid, I mean, Killing Him Softly is is a is a major influence, just culturally. Forget stand up for me. When I was a kid, we we quoted that special like top to bottom. I think the refreshing thing about him was always like he. It's not even like he's the guy that's gonna say it, but like he was just wildly inventive. He he had he he had these big themes in his act that he was just able to touch on gracefully and uh originally and really have his own voice and now it just kind of seems like a lot of these maybe some of its age and maybe it's some of some of its being fat cat fucking rich performers it could all be laziness but i think that that's why i'll never get lazy (laughs) what's the what's the uh i think um there was a boxer who said it, but it's hard. It's hard to hit the pavement in the morning when you're sleeping satin sheets. It's the same sort of thing. It's like right. the, you know, these guys are basically like, what is the point of Ricky even doing another special? Maybe he likes doing stand up, but if you like doing it, wouldn't you want to challenge yourself a little bit? I don't know. I you just, may live. You may live in now a warped world, the same way Trump people think that they're under attack, right? The 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 anti woke brigade now has they have to like sustain themselves in a world where it's like political correctness is coming for like you have to right. be in a bunker mentality to believe that your shit is like elite comedy. Right. And and many of these people, I think, do believe that they're in some sort of intellectual cultural bunker where it's just like, no, I'm the first person. That's just so Gervais is special was just a towering like self, like self-important nothing. Yeah. Like, and it was like, I was just like, why put that out? Yeah. What, like, unless you have deluded yourself into thinking, oh yeah, no, they, like they, the world still needs me to like put wokeness right. in its place. <laughs> right. And even the word, what, when I hear Bill Maher say woke, I'm like, at what point will you say woke like for the 10,000th time where you go, I, I have said that too much. Yeah. It feels hacky. But um, Chappelle's, Chappelle's stuff, and I would say there's like two phases to the Chappelle career. There's the Robin Hood men in tights to Chappelle show era. You know, he's in he's in a couple of movies. Pure heat. He's an upcoming young, very young talent. Yeah. Killing him softly. Chappelle show. And one of the things, one of the points I made on somebody else's podcast recently was, um, but it bears repeating, is Chappelle quit Chappelle show. One of the reasons he says he quit was like sort of this discomfort with the black people becoming the joke. Right. Um, he was very cognizant of that, very aware of that. And it's a, you know, that's an important thing, I think, for some artists to, to see. Like, hey, it doesn't mean he believed any less in his material, but he was, he was, aware and responsible with how it was being uh, received and who was receiving it. It's a great thing. Uh, 
he seems to have abandoned that principle if it doesn't involve black people. Mm. Because I laughed at his, tra- like in Age of Spin, which for me is my favorite Chappelle. Like in other words, after that long hiatus, he put out two specials in like 2016. Age of Spin is my favorite Dave Chappelle special ever. And I'm including Killing Him Softly. I was like, wow, that was great. And he has a very funny trans joke. Keyword joke. He talks about somebody, I think, walking into a boardroom and like chopping their penis off and like throwing it on the table as like a, like a, a, like a tough, like corporate move or something, whatever. The way he did it, I laughed out loud. I didn't just go, (laughs) I laughed. He then took criticism of that and said, well, I'm not going to take criticism. Yeah. Watch this. Watch this. Yeah. And we, we, we entered this phase of increasingly serious, preachy uh, shit that, you know, I remember talking to, to a guy at work, a friend at work who, you know, I said, but it wasn't that funny. And he said to me, I think, well, I think Chappelle's earned that. And I go, a comedian, I'm sorry for having a blanket rule. A comedian never earns the right to not be funny when they're doing stand-up comedy. Right. When they're people, when they're living their lives or discussing issues outside of the con. But when I go to a stand-up comedy show, you d- you never are um, uh, uh, freed of the responsibility to make me laugh. <laughs> That's why I'm there. You can make me think also. But I don't do the Nanette thing. And, and once yeah. again, I got into a lot, like some friends didn't thought I was being harsh on Dave. I was like, you didn't give a fuck when I said Nanette's shit was like a 20, 20 minute tearjerker at the end. I was like, that's not funny. Um, but with Chappelle, it became, it has become an increasing fight to like defend yourself versus let me just go out there and be funny. You know, that would be Michael Jordan instead of playing baseball, demanding to be sent to the majors because I'm, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm a great athlete. And the turning point for me with Chappelle was actually not the trans jokes some or trans discussions as it was his Broadway show. I think I saw it in 2019, his residency in, on Broadway, where he did a long bit. And I, some of my listeners may have heard me talk about this before, but he did a long bit about um, Comedy Central not wanting him to use the F word, the, the gay slur. Hmm. Um, and he said... Uh, you know, they said, I said, well, why not? You think, you know, you let me say the N word. And, and he was very adamant about saying the full F word. Like he said it loudly as if like he was taking the power back. Like imagine a white person. I'm going to go there. Imagine a white person screaming on stage, the N word, because it's like, no, 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 this is comedy. You're not going to tell me I can't say it. Not going to be received very well, Mm. except, um, on the daily wire plus, uh, streaming platform. And he, he then, the woman said, well, Dave, you're black. I don't know. She said, Dave, you're not gay. And he said, but I'm an N word. And the cra- yep. Yup. Right. Yep. Exact. Got him, Dave. Got him. Right. And I was like, I wanted to stand up and go, you're all fucking morons. (laughs) You're all fucking dumb. Or you're bigots trying to trying to just put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. There's no third option here where like Dave has solved the puzzle of like, yes, see, see, no SAT analogy question. That's very easy. 
black is to N-word as gay is to F-word. But JL, isn't this the whole issue? that we've, we've had conversations now about art dying and everything. I think part of the issue with any of these people as they ascend to a level of like Chappelle at this point is a, is into like the legendary status. Yeah. And he's still making things attempting to be as, you know, at the height of, of relevancy. Yes. You know, you're telling a story. Obviously, you're hearing it secondhand, but you're telling a story of somebody attempting to tell him no. Where when he's at a level where nobody else probably does. Right. And I think when your ego gets to a place where you never hear no, there's no pushback from anything. This is kind of what happens. Who's, who tells Ricky Gervais no? Who tells Chappelle no? <laughs> who tells Seth Rogen no? Who tells, who tells any of these people no? I'll just keep responding with each person's laugh. Yeah. And I think at a certain point when you, when you stop hearing no and people just will let you to kind of do whatever you want, the checks and balances go out. Your ego probably goes out of control. And then, you know, again, we, I think we've said it before. I am so happy that I didn't, I have not had to see bad Eddie Murphy bad at stand up. Right. Like he's a hero of mine because I only have three great pieces of material to go off of that I love dearly. Uh, and it's because I don't, there is none of this that exists with him. Right. Uh, it's, it's kind of great. You know, and now we're we're like Chappelle for me is not. He was one of my favorite people at a point in my life. I thought I really did think I was like, that guy can do no wrong. If he's going to be in something or if he's going to make something, it's going to be good. Even something as dumb as like Undercover Brother, a movie that I I love it. Oh, yeah. And he's hilarious in it. And it's just like even something that, you know, it's not like a great movie, but it's just funny. He just, I would see him and I would get excited. I'd be like, I have to watch whatever this guy's going to make. It's, he's so, he's such a genius. And now I'm just at a point where I see him. I'm just like, I know what he's going to do and it's just going to bum me out. And even not having watched the special, hearing you talk about it, it does. Well, but bum no, no, no I, I will. This is all preamble because my review of the special may surprise you. But what, what I took from that night was that Dave Chappelle is no longer cares about wielding his clout and his influence and his talent responsibly. Yeah. He cared at a young age for protecting. And I get it. I get the affinity. I get the identification. Like you're going to be more aware and caring of your own as instinctively, not even out of malevolence or selfishness, but you're going to understand black people more than you understand the plight of other people. Right. But <laughs> Trans people, gay people, marginalized community. You, you can't get that, that. That's just a fact. And, and you, I, I'm sure a bigot would point to me uh, about all the uh, wealthy executives in Hollywood who are gay. How are they oppressed? I'm like, well, how is that different than when a Republican candidate talks about Oprah having money? So shut the fuck up, black people. Like, ha it's the same thing, but you're not you're not removing your I care about me and my people glasses and seeing how the board has various people in their own struggles and dealing with things. So whenever a Republican says like, well, my uh, Obama became president. So what's the big deal? That would be you saying, look at all the gay people or insert other minority group with influence. Jewish people obviously get a lot of this shit. You doing that is the same thing. Even if it's a degree different, it's the same process. And Chappelle with the trans thing and what I realized with this special, because now I will talk about the dreamer. 
I was happy with this special. First, like it was, I thought his best since the age of spin, um, because it was funny. Even when he broached subjects, disabled people, trans people briefly, it was jokes. And I felt like it was for the first time, not him defending himself, but him baiting people, which is different. Right. Like it almost felt like he was like trans. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, uh, now is there a lot of trans stuff in it? No, no. He does one bit in the beginning, which yes, once again, could be dismissive or offensive, but it is a joke. It is a pure joke. Then he says, so I'm done with trans people. I'm going to talk about disabled people now because I love punching down. And when he said, I love punching down, I'm, I guarantee you, he said that almost in quotes as the daily beast has said, I love, he didn't put quotes, but there was, there was a knowingness to it this time I felt. Which is like, yes, I am baiting. This time I'm baiting you. I'm not trying to have a lecture series with you. I'm baiting you with, with jokes. Yeah. And then he moves on to other stuff the rest of the time. He had this very long bit at the end, which did not have the payoff, he thought. Um, <laughs> it was like a little Nas X <laughs> bit, which was just, you know, I was expecting better. Um, but the middle substance of the special is very funny to me. And it, was a, it, it felt like there was so, so little lecturing in this one. But it's the now he's unleashed a monster. He's almost like, I'm sorry to make the comparison to Trump, but it's almost like comedy MAGA at this point. Trump is almost irrelevant to that movement. He is not irrelevant, but it's almost like its own festering mob now. You know, Trump is Trump just gives them focus. Yeah. But they have been awoken and, and unleashed and empowered. Yeah. And with Chappelle, a lot of the stuff the next day and the next few days after the special was, oh, they're going to be mad about this. Oh, Dave, get them. Funny? Not funny? Anybody? <laughs> Any of the get them folks think it was funny? You want to speak on that? Because I did think it was funny, but that's all I look at comedy for. You Once again, you can have a, Gary Goleman makes... Great specials in his last few have had like deep meaning to them and themes, but they're not. Hey, man, that was important. Yeah, it was important, but it's funny. You got to do funny first with comedy. And I felt like Chappelle did funny first, but now his fans seem to not care as much about the funny or some of them. They don't seem to care. And the detractors don't care about the like he's unleashed this thing where now his specials are just, well, do you like trans people and, and, and are you a good progressive and are you going to stand on that above all else? Or do you hate progressives and you're going to cheer on Dave because you know he's fighting the good fight against them? Whereas it's like, was it funny? Was it hilarious? Was it up to his level of skill? This one I actually enjoyed for the most part. Whereas I felt like some of his other ones recently have really been fucking not good and not enjoyable. Yeah. And Grammys or Emmys or whatever, I don't give a fuck what they want. Like, just not not it for me. But it just feels like when I see the Chappelle mob, sort of, uh, virtual, the virtual sort of sides dividing, I think they almost feel wrong on both sides. But I feel like Chappelle giving license to some soft bigotry is sort of this next phase of his career is whether he wants it or not is kind of the license he's he is kind of what he's done. He sort of has made himself into a culture warrior above comedian, which is the worst. It just sucks. 
Those people are And he the did worst. it knowingly. I think he can try to retreat, but he did it knowingly. He he wasn't just, oh, my material divided. No, Age of Spin, the first ones, those were jokes. Yeah. And those could be divisive and offensive and whatever. But then he leaned into the cultural warrior a little bit more, and the comedian took a step back a little bit. Because when you're nodding and clapping, you're not laughing. Yeah. And uh, it just, it makes me, you know, it just makes me think in terms of our society in general uh, of, of just, you know, Chappelle on an entertainment scale, Trump in a, in a sort of uh, political scale where it's just like, we're just dividing into sides on everything. And, you know, I don't know when, when, when I see, you know, this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but I've, I've seen it with, with issues like, um, Israel, like, no, it seems there's, uh, you know, Thomas Friedman in the times is a little bit nuanced, but I feel like everything from comedy to, to politics, there's the nuance is gone and people can't be talk through things. You're on one side or the other. Um, and I don't know. I just see Chappelle as, as enabling that shit. Um, and not caring that he yeah. has that power. Like he loves to flaunt his power, but now he's not as interested in wielding it uh, responsibly. Um, and he'll say things, he'll say things about Jewish people, but not, you know, he'll kind of do, he'll get rid of, he did this at the garden, I think, where it's like, or he did it in one of his shows. Like the one people I won't talk about is the dudes. But then you're, and that, that can be funny, but he seems to linger on certain things like this where you kind of give a wink, wink, like, you know why. Right. And I get it. That can be funny. You can be towing the line. But I've already seen how irresponsible he can be with trans stuff. So what's to say he can't be irresponsible with with another group, with another people, with another struggle or whatever? And uh, I don't know that it's just it's disappointing to me um, because if you're going to if you're going to be a responsible comedian with that much power when it affects your own people, what's stopping you from 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 doing that for for other people? Dude, and it also bums me out when it goes the other way. Like, I mentioned Seth Rogen. It's not like I was ever a huge Seth Rogen fan, but Superbad is a very funny movie. And really... That new Ninja Turtles was really funny. Really? Seriously. Yes. Oh. The one he did, the one he produced. The Claymation one? Yeah. It's really really funny. I liked it a lot. Really? Yeah. Okay. I watched it, like, with my nephew on a whim just to be like, well, this will be... I've heard it's good, but it'll probably suck. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. Interesting. I just, I, I, we're at a place now where like the, the comedy taste makers, I don't know. There was a period where those Apatow guys were the, the cool comedy guys and then they just kind of stopped making anything worth watching. Um, comedically at least. I think we talked about this during nice comedy where I said that was the last, I know you hate that episode, but that was like the last, you can name eras of comedy in the last 40 years. Right. And after an Apatow feels like the Apatow Rogan feels like the last definable. And then you got the Apatow movies and the Rogan. And then it's like, and then what Uh, you got witty repartee and Marvel movies. Right. You got Thor Ragnarok or whatever. (laughs) It's just these, these like, uh, cause I think Hollywood has gone in a certain direction where they, uh, you know, Big studios, I think, champion a lot of identity politics. They're the people that could just be in the middle. Like, man, I would love to see an 80s style 
or not even an 80s style, a 90s style comedy where it's just a bunch of people trying to make somebody laugh. like why the bird cage? Where's the bird cage? What like, a movie. You know, what like, a movie. Where are these types of movies? Soap dish. Like, can I can we just get a movie where it's like a cast of talented people being funny and there it has literally nothing to do with uh picking a side in the in the culture war? I'm just tired of this, man, and I'm tired of it from both sides. I, I the Sarah Silverman's and the Seth Rogans who like they've picked their side and their Mindy Kaling don't even get me started she stinks on ice uh, <laughs> but like like it sucks from both sides these are people that it's just like it's more important for them now uh to do all of this stuff and kind of be like wink wink on their side of the culture war and I just it bums me out man say what you want about Adam Sandler who has made some things that are made many things that I find pretty bad, but he's done a pretty admirable job of just understanding that he's a clown right? and understanding that he just, I like, loved Leo, by the way, his new anime. I think yeah. I told you. Yeah. But it's like happy Gilmore is, is a fun comedy and it doesn't really, it's not a take no prisoners, you know, he's going to just a dopey, silly, funny thing that we all seem to like. And it's just like, where, why does that not exist in the world anymore? I don't understand it. Yeah. Like the teeth, the, the, I, I don't think that if you're going to make something comedic with teeth, it has to be as fucking heavy handed about your agenda, whether it's more conservative and more, like anti woke or it is more woke. Like, <laughs> Where is the outlier of the people that are just in the middle are trying to do something that's, that's entertaining? Right. I'm so sick of this. Where's my Eddie Izzard? You know? Is he still Eddie? Did he? Go I don't think trans? he's Eddie anymore. But I and I'm not trying to dead name him. I know it's disrespectful. Oh, I'm kidding. I didn't mean it like that because I don't he is know. Trans. His, right, I, I now, thought I yeah. read that he had. Who could he's, have seen that coming? By the way. Well, I know. But he was he's a genius I, or whatever Eddie's new name is. And Did you I'm, see that? Did you see how you like kind of like walked right past a good neutral, a good joke? I, I did. But it's also I. Yes, I. Yes, I know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just and I think here's here's what I was going to the, the analogy I was going to sort of make was what Chappelle is doing. Unfortunately. This special to me highlights it because he's not as fixated on shit in this one, but, but now it's like almost out of his control. Like he is now not fully within control of his own message anymore because now he stands for anti-woke comedy. Right. Even when his special is like, let's be honest, everybody who turned on the Dave Chappelle new special is like, what trans joke is he doing? Whether you love him or hate him, he literally gave everybody what they were looking for, whether they like it or hate it. He's he's literally giving you the thing. You you think anybody be like, oh, he didn't do any trans material. Great job, Dave. No, you'd yeah. just be like, well, this isn't going to get a lot of traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 want, I came here to be angry. Yeah. And he flips that to a disabled person at his show in a wheelchair who, or, or unable to walk fully based on his somewhat offensive act out. Uh, a disabled person coming to the show for anti-trans material and yeah. then like storming out of the show like this. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's very aware. Yeah. It's very aware of the situation. Now, when he does an Asian thing in the in the in the movie, in the show, that is a little 
uh, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's uh, <laughs> level. But of course, the savior there is he's doing a joke about his wife. Right. right so, right, right. you know, there's a little much more latitude there than just a, you know, a stray bullet going towards the Asian community. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what this this broader thing is, is that you have to look at, I think, is that if he, he's giving a little bit of license, uh, uh, friends of mine exchanged a bit, the trans bit. Did they say, you know, and what did they say? He's not lying. Right. And I like exited the conversation because I was like, funny, not funny. Did you laugh or right. did you watch Dave Chappelle for his insightful views on trans people? Because right. that makes a big difference to me. And I see that in broader things is kind of my point is that Chappelle is giving license to people. People take their cues from famous people now. Right. If you're a famous, influential person, you have clout. You have meaning whether or not you should. You have influence on people. And, you know, him giving license almost implicitly now, it's, it doesn't, he doesn't have to be direct about it, you know, is, is sort of similar to when I see people kind of, you know, shoehorning other things. And we talked about this before, before the show, we were having a broader discussion on slurs. Yeah. You know, that's what me and Mike do. We get together, we talk slurs. Yeah. But we wear white caps. We were, yeah, <laughs> where, where I was in this, you know, I've had discussions before with people where I go, yeah, I don't say the K word for Jews. I don't say the F word for gay people. I don't say the N word for anybody. And I view those things as unnecessary to rank because they all cross the line. Right. If you want to give the gold medal to the N word, by all means do it. But it doesn't mean that you should have license to use the F or the K word like they're not. <laughs> deeply and equally offensive to the targeted communities, you know, and we've done this thing with the, with the F word, which is like, well, I didn't mean it like that. Yes, you did. Like, and I've often wondered this and I don't know if you can answer this, but when I've read on the Holocaust, it, it struck me as shocking when I saw, I don't know if you know, 6 million Jews. <laughs> I do not. No, yes. Not that number. <laughs> Over 2 million in Poland. That I didn't know. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot. I didn't know the exact number, but I know that basically, like my f my family, my Jewish side of the family left. We don't know if they're Polish or Russian, but mm -hmm. it's around that area. They left. They were here before the Holocaust, but uh, you think of Poland now as like a Christian Catholic right. country because of uh, uh, John Paul II. Yes, right, John Paul II. But I mean, I always figured that Poland was where all the Jews were, but they, I think they were at one point. And now two, over 2 million, like they yep. represented over like a third of the total loss. Yeah. And it made me wonder, I need to look this up. And if anybody knows, comment, you know, tweet, whatever. I often wonder, like when we talk about humor, Polish jokes, right? You know that, you know, like from, from our youth, Oh, he's a dumb Polak. I'm sorry if yeah. this is a fact, but like a dumb Polak or how many Polish people does it take? To and in my mind, I'm going, I wonder what the origins of that are. Mm. And I should, I'm going to look it up now that I'm remembering this because I go, why were they singled out? Is, the, is there is a lineage, dumb? but is there a lineage that it was to dehumanize them? Like, how do I, oh, I don't know. I see. Did yeah. the Polish joke start in the 1920s? Right. And it's like a holdover. And it doesn't make me guilty of anti-Semitism. Like if I said one when I was nine, because you just kind of hear them and it becomes a stuff. But it makes me wonder, like, did it start as like, hey, jokes, we can make jokes about these people. And next thing you know, like I, I told my brother the other day when I read this article about the Holocaust and, and the, the loss in Poland, I was just like, uh, 
You ever think a Polish person ever hears a Polish joke and is like, I know where that's from. I'm going to beat you to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I'm not connecting Dave Chappelle to the Holocaust. Right. What I'm saying is when important people, and I don't even know if I'm right when yeah. it comes to the Polish thing, but it, it is a thought exercise and something that I can probably look up. Like, what are the origins of the dumb Polish joke stereotype? Because if it's, I bet you fewer people would do it if they, if it stemmed from that. Well, but I don't, I don't know that that's still something it that people are no, like. No, no, it isn't you know. now. It is something though from my youth. Right. Like I'm alive long enough to know when that was a common thing. But I'm not obviously connecting Chappelle to the Holocaust. But what I am saying is when influential people make, jo- make irresponsibly, and, and it's, if I, if I could talk to Chappelle, I would say, but you knew it with black people. You knew that those jokes had to be handled responsibly. You felt a need to responsibly handle those jokes. Why don't you feel the same responsibility here? I'm not telling you who or what to joke about, but why don't you see a responsibility when your fans are amening and clapping and sending texts going, well, dude ain't lying. That's not comedy anymore. You're influencing culture. Like on a serious level to fans who see you as like some truth teller and somebody who goes through the bullshit. So now your stuff does have more resonance. Your words have arguably more importance today than they did 20 years ago when you were very careful right. about who you joked about in front of whom. And that's what I would say to them because, you know, in other areas, like I said, I've seen what I think is, you know, sometimes anti-Semitism couched in like, no, 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 I'm not talking about it that way. Like, like we were laughing before because we were talking about slurs. And then I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gaza, Gaza. Yeah. I'm yeah. really about Gaza. Yeah. Uh, that's like my landlord is charging me way too much fucking rent. Gaza, Gaza, Gaza. <laughs> I'm actually talking about Gaza right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see those people not tip a lot? Gaza. Yeah. And well, it's, yeah, it's tough, man, because the, the anti-Semitism stuff right now, it is. It's like uh, it's heightened. Because of what's happening in the Middle East, but again, as a Jewish person who is pro-Palestinian, I I think that it's it's this tricky, it's specifically a tricky time because you have the people that like you've mentioned in your life that kind of use this as the the excuse to kind of be anti-Semitic, which is odd. Because well, it's, like, it's a convenient vessel that ha- you know that that can that can cover up deeper prejudices because right. it's an acceptable. There is a discourse where it is acceptable to defend the people of Gaza. Right. Because, and it is a Jewish state attacking them or retaliating. And I like, I, when you say pro Palestinian, and I I don't care, it's, I'm not judging, but do I assume you mean like pro Palestinian in terms of like stop the bombing, stop the, or are you like again, like anti Zionist? Both, I guess. Okay. I mean, like, I got I got offered to go to birthright when I was eighteen. Like, the the packet came in the mail or whatever. And oh, I, nice. Like, Can I, I go never, in your stead? I look Israeli. I mean, maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe. Wow. <laughs> I don't think the offer's still on the table. Well, when I lose now. that seventy pounds, bro, <laughs> fountain of youth. But I don't know, man. I I think that it's like like this particular instance. I mean, you look at the the numbers. I mean, I think that the terrorist attack and the fact that they're still hostages is is horrifying. Um. But I also think that the Israel, I think Israel's always, you know, you get attacked, you have the right to defend yourself. But I think, I, you know, I think my problem they is go I ahead think, and kill a lot of people that don't need yes. to be killed. Which I think, I think Netanyahu, is I think Netanyahu is a piece of shit. 
Yeah, he like, is. He's clearly, like a, they don't even li- like. They, they, yeah, like, he has every motivation to make this thing. Yes, go on, and but at the same time, I mean, when I read about what happened on October seventh, it is some um, like in a different world, in a different in a movie, we'd be like, oh yeah, that dude's just gonna kill everybody. <laughs> sure, and I know that's not okay, but it was like. When you read things like there will be a bloodlust, I know that is completely understandable, but not okay in an international law system. Yeah, it was a hundred percent. Especially when a lot Netanyahu of the people that like the killed. last person, uh, other than some of his cabinet, yeah. that you'd want to have wielding this responsibility, right? Like you, you have it in the worst hands. And I think, yeah, you know, Biden is in a, you know, I think people kind of don't get, not, this is off topic kind of <laughs> a, a lot, but anyway, we got here. Yeah. We're, well, I was just going to say, <laughs> my, my whole point was just based. Uh, the only thing I really wanted to say about it was like it, even being a Jew that is, is like supportive of one side because of my like beliefs on what is, what I have read about what's happening there, knowing that it's, it's really a, a messier situation than can be simplified in, in any kind of like uh, podcast <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Between a comedian and his producer. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that it's, it's totally your point is right where it's like, again, it's not a Chappelle issue. Cause I don't think he's furthering any kind of narrative, but like that was why that Kyrie Irving thing was so such an issue because you have a person of great, influence especially with a specific type of person i mean like his his demo people that think that he's cool are probably more than not like young black adolescents who might be impressionable you know and if if there's like um if there's a serious belief that like jews are responsible for all the terror in the world you know then if it's pushed by somebody with five million instagram followers uh, who thinks he's right? When Mel Gibson said it, we did nothing. And That's not true. Mel Gibson made a a a, a pretty substantial exit from Hollywood for a while. No, no, I'm know? not. I'm kidding. No, I know he's still working. But it's like Mel Gibson was like the 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 first like mainstream in the modern era who was just like drunk, going Jews yeah. start all the wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw Oppenheimer, and I said, "Well, you know what, Mel? Yeah, yeah." Oppenheimer did play a pretty big role. I see what you're saying. No, I'm kidding. Uh, like, what if that was just Mel Gibson's review of Oppenheimer? I didn't <laughs> see the movie yet. No, I'm just saying. Oh, Jewish guy invents the atomic bomb. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's all. I'm, uh, that's the bad joke that I'm making. Or if I was Chappelle, you know, Jew invented the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> see, I told point. you. I told you. I told you who did it. Um, okay, so. On that bizarre, bizarre journey. But my, my point is, and, and many people may be saying, Jail, it's just you're making too much of this. And it's like, I don't think so. I think Dave Chappelle has opened Pandora's box a little bit in his world. Yeah. He's not more important than Joe Biden or Vladimir Putin or or Xi or or Benjamin Netanyahu. But but like in his cultural space, I think he's opened up a Pandora's box that even retreating from it or stepping back into just pure comedy. I don't know if he can put it back in because there's too many like amens and uh-huh. And that's right. And my man is telling the truth yeah. kind of vibes that I see. And the flip side, which I think is less dangerous, but still not without problems is the other side is like, well, now he can like never do comedy to some people. Like 
some people will just interpret every word he says as like, you know, bigotry and hate. Yeah. And not allow him to joke on any topics. But anyway, uh, I'm going to have a special that you should watch. Uh, after this very quick break, we'll make this very quick. We have a punch down of the week, first one of the year, and uh, and a review. So we'll be back in a minute. Thank you. And now, from the Slickback Studios newsroom in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, here is Scott Pelly with a Rain on Your Parade special reports. Happy New Year to everybody out there at Rain on Your Parade. I'm Scott Pelley on assignment from 60 Minutes. For the first punchdown of the week, JL posted a video as Donald Trump, wherein he gave Donald Trump's New Year's resolutions. And a fan replied, let me bring this up. Very good. Just keep going. Very good, except the orange orifice, aka the mango mongrel of Magalardo, aka the diaper-clad wannabe dictator, would literally say "New Year's revolutions." Four laughing emojis. That's the punch down of the week. JL, would you like to explain it to these people? I would. Thank you, Scott Pelly. Appreciate you being here. Happy New Year to you and yours. I hope you're still lifting weights. Um, this is one of the things I really hate in comedy, where somebody just kind of uses your work as an open mic for their attempts to be funny. Like so, he's he's very orange orifice, ma- mango mongrel, mongrel. I think it's mongrel, magalardo, diaper clad wannabe dictator would literally say New Year's revolutions. <laughs> Wow, that was a long way to go for bullshit. Um, wow, the low-hanging fruit of making missing the word resolutions. Uh, and I love the very good except. Okay, well, guess what? Punch down of the week who I'm not going to identify because I think you've made several comments on my YouTube. So keep it up. Algorithm and engagement. Um, the four laugh emojis is probably the most offensive thing of all. Uh, and I'm trying to find out who the two people are who liked it liked that comment because I'd like to block them from my channel. So that was the punch down, first punch down of the, uh, of the week. Uh, somebody using my, uh, post as a, uh, open mic. So now we're here to the, uh, the final part of this very epic first ep- second episode of the year, but first one we're recording in this year, um, special to recommend guys. And I think you might know which one I'm going to recommend. It's a little ditty called Jack and Diane. No, it's a special called half blackface, which took 26 months to come out. Okay. Uh, much like the aforementioned Eddie Izzard, it was a long process mm. till he could stand in his truth, her truth. Uh, but it's out. It's available on uh, Apple TV, Amazon, uh, YouTube, like for pay and some other sites, Vimeo for international people. I know I have several international fans. Um, it's my best work. So if you've ever liked anything I've done or you said, you know what, JL really did well, this is better. This is, I put this up against anything in the last couple of years. I'm not even kidding you. Like, I know this is self-aggrandizing and whatever, but so be it. You won't rain on my parade when it comes to this uh, special. It's, um, you know, and and like I said, with regarding uh, Ricky Gervais, I said, 
and Bill Maher. If you, you've either got to be unique or you've got to be quick. And this special, despite being basically in the can for two years, still holds up because it's, it's singularly me. Like it is, it is my story. It is experiences that are very limited because it's, it's, it's the, the universe that I'm appealing to are, or that I'm reflecting are people who blew up during COVID <laughs> and people who are biracial, but look white. Like there is a very limited segment of the population that those things apply to. So I felt very confident that this story would be unique. So the jokes all hold up despite a two-year journey to get it out. But it's also just my funniest stuff. It's, it's killer. And I think you should all get it if you're a fan of mine. And if you hate me, if you just stumbled upon this episode just to tell me that I'm a woke cuck uh, and Chappelle's the goat, if it, you still should watch it. And I guarantee you will like it. There won't be that moment for you to go, oh, here's where he got. No, you're just going to be like, God, I hate that this guy's so good because I really hate him as a person. But by God, I respect his comedy. So on that note, just go get it, guys. I've been talking about it for what feels like half my life. It's worth it. It's worth it to you. It's worth it to the little money you'll have to spend to get it. Has it been worth it to me? The destruction of my life, mostly? I'd say yes. I'd say it's that good, Mike. So on that note, endeth an epic episode of the podcast. I hope you have found it somewhat interesting, somewhat enjoyable. A lot of comedy talk, but it's of the moment, Mike. You'd agree that it's not just random. This is sort of central to the to the landscape right now and next timely yeah yeah and next week we'll be on to a a more evergreen a less comedy themed topic i'm thinking uh law enforcement and crime good topic right maybe we'll 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 see uh it is folks (laughs) i'm telling you if mike wants to be wishy-washy it is and it will be so see you next week on rain on your parade i'll see you next thursday